What's going on, guys? Thank you for coming to the first installment of Dorm Room Analytics here. I am currently a freshman in college, enrolled at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I've been a Minnesota sports fan since I was about five. Uh, today, pretty much what we're going to do is I think that we're going to break down the Vikings season, and first I'm going to go from a game-by-game basis, and then after that I'm going to go for a little bit of a stat basis for players and what I think the Vikings should do in the offseason and who I think they should sign and shouldn't resign. Uh, if you check out the bio, like I said, I do have a Twitter that I will answer questions at if you ever DM me them. Also, uh, I do mainly touch on Minnesota sports here, so if you're not a Minnesota sports fan, it might not be the channel for you, but I will be doing like probably once a week a weekly update of what's going on and stuff like the NBA, MLB, NFL, when stuff like that comes out because I do enjoy sports as a whole. But pretty much, let's get into the Vikings schedule. First off, week one, playing the 49ers at home. Vikings come in, win 24-16. to 16. Pretty good game here. Uh, there wasn't, it was pretty, like, it was a boring game. wasn't that exciting to watch. Diggs had a touchdown. Mike Hughes, before the devastating ACL injury, had a pick six. And the Vikings defense, they just looked stout here. Kind of showed Jimmy G that you're not going to go undefeated your career. And kind of abused a team that they should have abused. It was only an eight-point win, but it was a clear, more clear win than it appeared in the box score. Week two, we tie with the Packers 29-29. Of course, taking that game to overtime. You can look at this game one of two ways, in my opinion. You can look at it as the fact that we shouldn't have even got to overtime based on the fact that Cousins got that roughing the passer penalty at the end. And you can also look at it as that we should have won with Carlson missing. I think it was three field goals in that game, but it was a good game. I think there's a lot to take away. This is where we saw kind of the Kirk that we wanted to see all year coming out. Uh, he hit a, he hit an absolute bomb to Stefan Diggs that it was just on the money. Diggs and him had a lot of deep ball connection throughout most of the season. And then of course the catch by Thielen at the end to put him into OT. It was, it was just a really good game all around. Uh, this is where we saw Laquan Treadwell kind of, get pushed out of the third wide receiver slot. And we kind of just ran with two wide outs for most of the season just because of his drops in this game. But anyways, tough game to tough game to lose, but we shouldn't have been there really in hindsight, but we'll take the tie. Uh, week three, worst game in the Viking season by far to the bills. We lost 27 to six in a game. We were favored by 17 against, and it was just, it was a trap game. I was calling it all week before we went in there. Uh, the Vikings have an issue with mobile quarterbacks, and Josh Allen is one of the best in the league when it comes to running. Uh, Cousins couldn't get anything going. This is where we saw the line get abused by what I think is actually a really good pass rush in the Bills, especially with veterans like Jerry Hughes out on the field and Kyle Williams up the middle. And this is where we first start started to see the problems of the line arrive. Then we go to week four, and we have back-to-back losses as the Vikings lose to the St. Louis Rams by 7, 31 to 38 and what you can say about this game pretty much is that we held our own against one of the best teams in the league and we saw that well we can compete and we can score with the best teams in the league but the defense had no shot of stopping the rams and what was our biggest downfall in this game was that anthony Barr was matched up on like slot wideouts and running backs a lot of the time which i don't think is where anthony Barr thrives we have three linebackers that are pretty run heavy stopping linebackers, not a lot of coverage 
in them. And of course, I'll I'm going to touch on that later when I talk about what I think they should do with Bar's contract. But you know, it's a game that I expected us to lose, but the fact that we were in it at the end kind of made it a tougher loss than I think it would have been if we had just come out and got blown out two weeks in a row. But I'm glad that we put up some fight after getting embarrassed by the Bills. Week five, one of the biggest wins of the season, in my opinion. We beat the Eagles 23-21. to That was huge because not only did it give us the advantage at the end of the season if we would have beat the Bears, but after getting blown out by them in the playoffs, it was a big, it was just, it was a big win for the Vikings. Defense looked really good in that. That was one of those games where the defense actually did look dominant this season. And they looked dominant for most of it until they got to that rough part of the schedule where they did like Bears, Packers, Patriots, Seahawks, all back to back. But good game. Kirk showed us that he does have the potential to win a big game. The Eagles weren't the best in the league at this point, but they're still the Super Bowl champ, so you got to respect them. Then we came out, got two back-to-back easy wins against the Cardinals and Jets. We beat the Cardinals 27-17. to We beat the Jets 37-17. to Not much to talk on there. Two rookie quarterbacks that the Vikings defense just had their way with. They're the games we should have won, and I'm glad that we didn't pull what we did against the Bills here and lose this one. Then we go back into week eight against the New Orleans Saints, where the Saints beat us 30-20. to And this game was looking a lot better until Adam Thielen's fumble, where after that you kind of saw the team just kind of wilt away and give up. And that's something that you hate to see. And I saw a lot out of the Vikings this year is that when it did get when the going did get tough, the toughs didn't get going really. You saw them kind of give up and slouch on the sideline. You saw them getting stressed out, yelling at each other. And that's not something that you get from a cohesive team. And it just seemed like this year, nobody wanted to play for the Super Bowl or even for the playoffs in that matter. But week nine, we go against the Lions. Vikings win 24 to nine. Game we should have won. Game we dominated defensively again. We dominate the bad teams, but we just, we have such a hard time with the good teams, it appears. But November 18th, after the bye week in week 10, we're in week 11 now. The Vikings lose to the Bears 25-20 to at Soldier Field. And in this game, the biggest issue was that we didn't have a run attack. And the Bears eat up the passing game. You saw Kirk throw a pick six to Eddie Jackson, one of the best corners, defensive backs this year that you could get. But there's no running game. This is where Dalvin was still having his issues coming off the hamstring injury. And it was just a game that... You wanted to win at Soldier Field, but going against Khalil Mack, who absolutely terrorized the line, you can't expect anything more than week 12. We get the win against the Packers when they come to our stadium. We shut up all the people who are talking about Rodgers, how they would have won the NFC North last year if Rodgers was healthy, blah, 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 blah. The Packers are in utter disarray right now. There is no reason that they are even a contender regardless of what coach they get next year. I'm just not a fan of their team. And that's just, that's from the most unbiased standpoint I can get to. I hate the Packers absolutely with all my heart, but it's just, they're just in such disarray. They don't play Aaron Jones enough. I know he got hurt there at the end, but he was just getting out snapped to Jamal Williams, who isn't that good of a back in my opinion. Their wide receivers besides Devontae Adams are lackluster. They're system guys. Rodgers can make anybody look good, but they're not going to beat anybody. And the defense, the defensive backs, they have two really promising guys in that Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson. But first-year DBs are still not going to be able to match up with guys like Dion and Diggs all year. And we saw that when we played them. 
But let's hop into week 13 against the Patriots. 24 to 10. We only lost by two touchdowns, but really the Patriots had this game in control from the jump. This is where you kind of start to see the frustration erupt with the Vikings as Thielen was having issues <coughs> with Belichick on the sideline. And the Patriots, they a lot of people sleep on their defensive schemes. They have some really confusing, crazy blitzes that the line was just not handling at all. And that's where the line struggles most is picking up the blitz. And then when you don't pick up the blitz, it's a free shot. The quarterback and Cousins has nowhere to go. But week 14, same kind of thing. Seahawks versus Vikings. Seahawks win 21-7. to And we got a cheap touchdown with Cook at the end. Otherwise, we were getting shut out. I mean, Cousins turned over the ball. Seahawks dominated defensively. If you can't protect the quarterback, you can't win games. If you can't run the ball, you can't win games. It's just something that the Vikings struggled with in big games. It seemed like it was running the ball and securing quarterback play. Now, when we go into week 15, we have the Vikings against the Dolphins. Vikings 41 to 17 in Kevin Stefanski's first game as the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. And like I said, it was a blowout uh, 17 off of a pick six and a 75 yard touchdown. Other than that, Defense dominated. This is where we saw Dalvin Cook start to pick it up in the year, and that's what I need to see next year is that I know a lot of people don't like Zimmer's run-first mentality. I do personally. I think that if you can run the football with a, with a good back 15 to 20 times a game and really secure the time of possession, and then you can hand it off to guys like Murray for 10 a game or Mike Boone next year depending on or if they bring in somebody – that's how you're going to win games if you can control the tempo, especially with the stout defense that the Vikings sometimes showed up this season, sometimes didn't. But let's go on to week 16, Vikings against the Lions. Vikings win 27-9. to It was a rough start for the Vikings in the first half, but after that they turned it on and never looked back. Lions had nothing to play for. Vikings were still trying to secure a playoff spot, and it showed in who wanted it more that day. Week 17. Bears versus the Vikings, this is win and get in, lose, and you're out because the Eagles beat the Redskins. Vikings lose 24-10, to 10, and just the Vikings, D, they looked good at the start, but you just you, they never made a big stop, and that's the thing. You can be as stout as you want, but if you can't stop the big play, if you can't make that stop on third and 10, it's just... This game, it kind of showed not having Xavier Rhodes because when you have guys like Holton Hill, Waynes, and Mack on the outside, you don't want them to get beat. So on a third and 10, you're playing them nine yards off the line. They take a step back and a curl route beats them. It's just Rhodes is the only cornerback we have that can really play physical at this point. I think Hughes is a really good slot guy. Of course, uh, he got hurt and wasn't available for most of the season. But no excuse as to why he dropped this one. Uh, they're a really good team. They're obviously the best team in the NFC North. But a win and get in, I just wanted to see more effort out of the Vikings. I thought that they gave up. I didn't like that little spat between Thielen and Cousins. I pretty much think that that was just stress building up, but also you don't like to see two of your star players really going out like that on the sideline. There needs to be better communication on that front with the Vikings. All in all, 8-8 eight eight season, you know, yeah. You want to win these, 
but no, not actually no, not eight and eight. My bad. Eight, seven, and one. I just, I forgot the tie. My bad. I was counting off the schedule, but eight, seven, and one. Uh, a disappointing season. I don't. I don't care that they went over five hundred. It's a, it's a game that I mean it's a season that you know we were expecting to get to the promised land this year. At least back to the playoffs is what we really wanted. Couldn't even get there. Surprise in the NFC North, the Bears. But I wasn't really surprised because after they added Mac, that defense got even scarier. But you know what? They're going to be golfing for the rest of the winter. So hopefully hopefully we come in next season just looking like we at least know what we're doing, you know. But that's pretty much my, my review on the Vikings season game by game. And now I'm going to go into some of the player stats and what I think that we should do with some of these players in the upcoming years. Let's look at, of course, the golden boy, Kirk Cousins, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, age 30, at a 70.1% completion percentage, through for 4,298 yards, 30 touchdowns to 10 INTs, and it had a quarterback rating of 99.7 and a QBR of 60.6. He was sacked 40 times on the season. But pretty much all we can say about Kirk is that he didn't show up in the big games, yes, but I don't I don't attribute that all to Kirk Cousins. I'm a lot of it is the fact that it's really hard to get into a rhythm when you have one of the worst lines in the NFL. And a lot of people are like, well, it's the same it's the same line as last year besides Easton and Joe Berger. But Easton and Joe Berger really sealed up the middle for Case. And that's why you saw Casey a lot of scrambles because it's the tackles collapse and Case is able to still step up and maneuver in the pocket. Where Remmers and uh, Remmers and I'm blanking on the other guard's name right now, but pretty much it just as soon as you get on your back heels as a lineman, you're beat. And those guys were never on the balls of their feet; they were always getting beat. Cousins couldn't get into a rhythm. I'm not defending how Kirk played this year in any way, but I can see how from him it's very tough to get into a rhythm, but you can't really hate on a 70% completion percentage with almost 4,300 yards and a three to one touchdown to to interception rate. He did fumble a decent amount though. uh, As he had nine on the year, I don't, it doesn't say how many of those were lost, but that makes it 30 to 19, which is pretty much a two to one, which makes it look a little worse. He needs to work on that ball security, but a lot of that also is still, the line, but regardless of that, you gotta, you just, you gotta hold on to the ball, Kirk. He didn't turn the ball over in games that we were dominating teams. It's the close games that he just seemed to kind of, kind of just clam up. And of course, they always talk about that. I think it's four and 25 or four and 26 record, but I think we see more out of Kirk next season. I think that if they keep Stefanski, he'll have that time to really get set with his offense coordinator. But pretty much now let's go into like the rushing game. We're going to look at Latavius Murray first. 140 attempts, led the team in rushing attempts 
started six in the game season, 578 yards and six touchdowns. He averaged about 36 yards a game. He also caught 22 of 26 targets for 141 yards on the season. He had six rushing touchdowns. He did. He's a good. He's a good backup. I don't like him as the premier back. I think he's a good change of pace back, and he's a lot more. He's a lot shiftier than people give him credit for. He isn't just a between the tackles back. He can get out there like Dalvin can. Dalvin is actually seems shiftier within the tackles where Murray likes to run outside of them. Uh, I don't know what they're gonna do with him, or if they should move Boone into a backup role. Rock Thomas even getting some play would be nice, but. Murray is about the shortest thing you can get. He averaged 4.1 yards of attempt, which is all you can ask for. I have a running back with a crappy offensive line. He's 28. Uh, I like what he gave us this year. Let's go on to Dalvin Cook. Only played 11 games this season at 133 attempts, so seven less than Murray, but had 615 more yards, but only two touchdowns. Uh, of course, Dalvin doesn't get the goal line work as much as Murray does. Dalvin really exploded at the end of the season. Uh Dalvin, though, did have 305 yards receiving compared to Murray's 141 and two touchdowns compared to Murray's zero. So Cook was showing that he was more of a three-down back than Murray is, but with only the two rushing touchdowns and missing time with hamstring injury, you just hope that you see Cook active and healthy next year because without Dalvin Cook, we're not the same team, obviously, because we don't have that dominant run game. But I like what he gave us this year. I just I want to see him for 16 games next year. That's all that's all I need from Dalvin Cook is to put the injury bug behind him. Now let's get into some of the receivers. Stefan Diggs on the season, 149 targets, caught 102 of them for 1,021 yards, averaged about 10 yards of reception. He had nine, counted nine touchdowns on the season, averaged 6.8 receptions per game. 68% catch percentage. He just, he is one of the shiftiest wide receivers in the league. He beats guys inside, outside. He's quicker. He's just in his hands. Honestly, he has some of the best hands in the league. I love what we see from Diggs out there. Uh, he got paid and he showed why he got paid with a thousand yards and nine touchdowns at the end of the season. Him and Thielen's stats don't look that different even though Thielen had that crazy start. And that's pretty much what you like to see. Uh, he didn't get voted into the Pro Bowl. Thielen did, though, because of that crazy start. But Diggs is about as good of a wide receiver as you can get in this league when it comes to all-around play. Then, of course, you're going to Adam Thielen. He had 153 targets and 113 Catches on the season, 1,373 yards with nine touchdowns again. So 18 touchdowns and 2,300 yards between these the, the one and two receivers, wherever you want to rank them. Those guys balled out. They account for over half of Cousins' touchdowns, and they're the definite safety valves. And they were showing that they're that's a hard time to cover either one of them. Dillon had a 73% catch rate. He just, Thielen had balled out the season. He looked lost, kind of. It looked like that teams were focusing more on Thielen. Is why you saw Diggs balling out at the end of the season, kind of. But Thielen was, Thielen was one of the glues to this team early in the season, really. Keep him in it. He looked like he was a leader. Him and Cousins, of course, got in that spat. I don't know what they're going to do about that, how they're going to kind of mend that relationship, but he was... 
I I was happy without Thielen played this year. One thing, I think his contract's up in two years or maybe one year now. I don't know the top of my head, but I don't know how they're going to be able to pay him what he deserves because they already paid Dig. So we're, it's interesting to see how that's going to play out. But for right now, you just got to live having two of the best wide receivers in the league on your team. Kyle Rudolph started all 16 games, 82 targets, 64 receptions, which is good for a 78% catch percentage. At 634 yards at four touchdowns, honestly, a little bit of a disappointing season out of Rudolph for me. I know the numbers don't look crazy disappointing as he had four touchdowns. He caught almost 80% of his passes, but we see Cousins. We saw him use Jordan Reed so much in Washington. Didn't see that out of Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph looked like against the bigger, faster linebackers. He just looked lost. Looked like he couldn't get any separation. And he really only thrived against teams who were weak in the middle of the field where he couldn't make any of his own plays. That's all I really have to say about Rudolph. Treadwell, let's, I guess we can touch on him real quick. 53 targets, 35 receptions for one receiving touchdown, 66% catch percentage. One of the worst on the team out of like people who get regular targets. Drops a lot of balls. And disappointing season from Laquan. I don't know what they're going to do for do with him. Aldrick Robinson played in 14 games this year, 35 targets, 17 receptions for five touchdowns. He was averaging a touchdown pretty much every three receptions, two, only 231 yards on the season, but he was a red zone machine. Deep threat, 48% catch percentage, but he didn't get nearly as many targets as other guys on the team. Uh, pretty much that's all I want to talk on. Uh, Conklin, he had... Only only had seven receptions, I mean, five receptions for 77 yards, so he was a good deep threat as a tight end, but we didn't see a lot out of him. Uh, I don't feel, I feel if we don't re-sign Rudolph here in the upcoming years, that Conklin could be a good backup to them. But that's pretty much all I have to say on that subject. Amir Abdullah, I don't like the signing of him. I don't, I just don't get it. I mean, we have Rock Thomas. We have Mike Boone. I just, nothing, Amir Abdullah did, did nothing for me on the offensive side of the ball or the special team side of the ball. For that fact, let's touch on Dan Bailey too real quick. <clears throat> Pretty much attempted 28 field goals, made 21 of them. That's three of four. He, he only missed one extra point, but it's just – that's not what you expected for Bailey. I don't know how Mike prefers still the job. I know that he's kind of Zimmer's boy, but – you just have so many kickers that just come here and just just crap the bed, and it's it just it's just hard to deal with as a Minnesota Vikings fan, knowing that every time that they kick the ball, that you could really win or lose the game on it, as we've seen. But let's get to the defensive stats right here. I'm not going to touch on everybody because there's too many people, but I'm trying to get to everybody that I can. Eric Kendricks, one of the glues of this team, led the team with 108 tackles. Also had two INTs and a forced fumble. Just another season for Eric Kendricks. We missed him in those last couple games. He's he really it really shows we missed Kendricks in the running game. As you saw guys like Jordan Howard kind of eat us up in that last game. And he is he has some of the best side to side presence in the NFL, the linebackers position. Harrison Smith started all 16 games, three INTs, a forced fumble, and second on the team with 84. 
tackles also had five QB hits, so he's kind of he's playing all over the field. Uh, it wasn't a, as loud of a season for Harrison Smith as last year, but made another Pro Bowl. Played great. Uh, he's one of the glues again of this defense. Daniel Hunter, great breakout year. He's been he's been kind of breaking out every every year here. He's been getting better and better and better. But right now, 14 and a half sacks, 72 combined tackles on the season. Deserved the Pro Bowl. He deserves the first team all defense, honestly. He just he was great this year at the end position. Anthony Barr at linebacker only played 13 games. One forced fumble, 55 combined tackles and three sacks. Uh, here's gonna this. This is where we're gonna get into some of the opinion controversy of the podcast. I don't think that we should re-sign Anthony Barr. I just don't. He seems to thrive more in a three-four system. He likes to rush the quarterback. We don't run a lot of three-four as the Vikings. And pretty much when you have Gideon, Kendricks, and Barr out there, you have three guys whose main attribute is rushing the quarterback slash stopping the running back. You have nobody you can cover. And against teams where you see Barr flexed out to wide outs or tight ends or running backs, he just can't cover them. And that's not his fault. He's just not that type of player. But I don't – we need to move on from him for more of a coverage hybrid linebacker. Uh, they actually played that J-Ron curse there a lot this season sometimes. He would get the start at that weird, like, safety linebacker spot. And he could cover tight ends with the best of them. I just I think he's gonna I think Barr's gonna get paid somewhere. It's just I don't want it to be in Minnesota. Linval Joseph, not the most exciting season, only one sack, but 58 tackles on the season. He uh pretty much it was just a normal season from Linval. He kind of seemed like he was getting worn out at the end of it, but you can't expect much from a 30-year-old inside lineman. Rhodes, 14 games, one INT, uh, 47 tackles on the season. Uh, he just looked he looked banged up all year, like he did last year at the end. He just it's tough to be a top corner a top cornerback in this league, as we've seen with guys like Sherman and Marcus Peters falling off after their top cornerback stints, and I just think Rhodes looked unhealthy this year. Mackenzie Alexander, aka Mac, played a little bit of the slot and outside this season. 43 combined tackles, no INTs. Did have four sacks, though, rushing the quarterback. He like, we like to run that slot corner blitz a lot. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Mac, but he gets the job done. He's We have too many good tackling cornerbacks, though, opposed to good coverage cornerbacks. Uh, that's all I got to say about Mac. Anthony Harris, great season. According to Pro Football Outsiders, he had a crazy season. Three INTs. No force fumbles, but 53 combined tackles. He just 46 in my tackles. Sorry. He just didn't. He did a great job. Uh filling in for Sandejo. I feel bad for what happened in Sandejo, obviously, but I liked what Harris did. And it kind of showed that we don't need Sandejo. Sheldon Richardson started all 16 games, four and a half sacks with 50 tackles with 16 quarterback hits. So he was he was getting there a lot. Just the sacks weren't showing up. But I think that if we I mean if he wants to, we should bring him back. I don't know how we have the cap to, but I would love to still have him here. But this this draft is loaded with D linemen that you can get in the later rounds. Uh, but 
Yeah, Sean, I would love to have him back. Trey Wayne's uh, just we saw good Trey Wayne's flashes sometimes this year, and then a lot of the times we just we didn't. It just it was that simple that he still gets a lot of pass interference penalties. He still gets beat deep and just skilled wide receivers seem to tear him up. And I just, it sometimes it's frustrating watching Trey play the game. Eric Wilson, 16 games played, only four started the special teams captain, two sacks, 42 tackles. He, when he was out there, he was a monster. I don't feel bad about him filling in for bar potentially. If we don't resign bar Holton Hill, the undrafted free agent, uh, only 21 years old, 16 games played, one INT, seven pass deflections, 36 tackles, 30 of them solo. Uh, it's a good season for him. He filled out great on the outside. He just needs to get more physical play, but that just isn't a solid game, really. Stephen Weatherly played all 16 games, three sacks. Surprising he had 35 tackles. I know he plays some special teams, but he did good when he was filling in for Griffin this year. And let's get into Griffin. Pretty much 11 games played, as we know, he had that mental health issue. Five and a half sacks, still though, with 33 tackles, 13 quarterback hits. He is the clue of this team, and it showed when he was gone slash not there mentally. Uh, at the end, it looked like that <coughs> that he just uh, – the defense looks lost without Everson Griffin leading them and being his height. Self, Mike Hughes, he only played six games, two INTs and a touchdown, one forced fumble. He just, he had 22 tackles in his short stint. He's going to be good. I like him a lot. A lot of people hate on Zimmer for taking him, but he, he's, he's going to be really good. Iloka, only, he, he didn't get a lot of time, really. 16 total tackles on the season. I want to see more of him. Uh, we'll see if he gets signed. But that's about it for me touching on defense in the Vikes season. And the draft where I want to see them go is O-lineman, first round, obviously. But if there's one of those good linebackers on the board that falls to them, like Devin White, I don't think he falls. I think we're at 18. I don't think he does. But if for some reason somebody like Devin White or Devin White or somebody similar to him is there, I think you got to take him because that allows you to just not deal with Barr anymore. But... Yeah, I'd, I would love to see O-line or one of those good linebackers. I don't want to see D-line first round. I think it's really deep in the draft. And with Zim, he might take a cornerback. But O-lineman, I like that Cody Ford from Oklahoma a lot. He seems to – he seems to like – he seemed, he just seems like he's going to transfer well to the NFL with his skill set. There's, there's not a lot of things that transfer from college to NFL, but line play is one of them. If you can be physical and you have quick hands and quick feet, you're going to do well. In the NFL, uh, I'd like to see if that Chase Winovich drops in the draft. I would like to see how he could play as an edge rusher. I don't know if he's going to drop to like early third or late second, but if he does, I'd love to see him take Chase Winovich. But that that guy's a late first, early second round talent. Easy, in my opinion. Reminds me a lot of somebody like Clay Matthews, who I know we all hate, but for a period of time, he was one of the best linebackers in the NFL. <coughs> uh, yeah, pretty much offseason. Uh, free agent signing. Again, if we can pay an old lineman, I think we only have 11 mil cap room. If we can pay an old lineman, I would love to see us pay 
no linemen to come here. Uh, I'd like to see Prefer fired. And that's pretty much going to be it for the first episode of this podcast. If you listened, I know it's kind of a long 32 minutes right now. But thank you for tuning in. Of course, we touched on the Viking schedule, the Vikings individual player stats, and what I thought they should do in the offseason. Of course, follow me at DFS Dorm on Twitter. And you can DM me any questions about that you want me to answer next podcast. The next podcast uh, will probably be coming out on Monday. And it will be me talking about uh, it will be in around the NBA episode. And I will be touching individually on some teams and how I think that they are going to do this season. Well, thank you for listening. Of course, uh, just thanks for the support. I know it's the first episode. It was probably a little all, all over the place, but thank you for listening. And I will be uploading another one on Monday. Thank you.